As people preparing for emergencies, we should stock up on food, water, and first aid supplies. But have you ever thought about stacking silver? Hey, this is episode 776 of the Ready Your Future podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you prepare for a better future. It's all about loving your people, getting prepared, and living free. I'm Todd Sepulveda, a regular guy living in the suburbs who understands the need to be better prepared for the future. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge in 2023? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top preparedness articles from around the internet sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top preparedness articles is in the show notes. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ready Your Future podcast. Hey, I'm going to just apologize ahead of time. My throat is a little bit scratchy, and I'm still uh, congested from allergies. And the, I guess it's the temperature changes, the wide swings that we're experiencing over here. You know, cold in the morning, uh, later on in the afternoon, it warms up, but it's just it's just jacking with my uh, with, with my allergies. And then I was reading, or not reading, I was watching the news just, and I don't normally do it, but I had it on, and um, the newscaster said, yeah, pollen is getting ready to just blow up. And I'm like, great. So um, I'll be living in this for here just a little bit. So, uh, you know, just uh, bear with me here. Hey, a big shout out to my friends in Brazil. I was looking at the analytics and there's a, a lot of downloads from Brazil. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I greatly appreciate you. All right. For those of you who are new, we've been looking at just a chapter in Little House in the Big Woods every episode and not really reading it, but listening to it on Audible. And it's a long story. You can go back a couple of episodes to find out all about it. But in this one, in this chapter, it was uh, called Dance at Grandpa's. And so if you listen to last week's episode, you know that Pa had gone off to help uh, his dad with the maple syrup and to go ahead and get that all ready to go. So he came back and announced that there was going to be a dance. So everybody gets ready to go to, to Grandpa's house to have this dance. And uh, kind of they're finishing the maple syrup process. You know, they're, they're cooking it down and the whole deal. Uh, I thought the interesting things about this one is that all the family came over for a big dance, right? So your friends and family were coming over from all over the place to have the, the a big dance here in this one place. And the thing was is that everyone was getting ready. So there was time, you know, that Laura Ingalls, as she's writing this, is taking time to uh, describe how everyone was getting ready. And, you know, they were doing their hair, they were doing, uh, you know, putting on their dresses and all this thing, all these things like, if it was like a fancy ball, it was just at the house, right? But it's it goes back to how it was the simple things in life. So even though it was pretty much family and friends, they got all dressed up, they got all made up, and it's the simple things in life, like a little dance, having family and friends over, eating really well, all those different things. They took time to make those moments very special and memorable. So in, in times when they didn't have big balls and galas and all those, you know, you wouldn't get dressed up, you know, on the weekend to go out or anything like that. This was a time where, you know, you brought out your best dress, you, you made yourself look the best that you ever had. And, you know, you went out and you, you just had a great time there with family and friends and everybody kind of remembers those times. But anyway, uh, it's something to kind of take away from that. If you're interested in more of the Audible books that uh, I, I listen to, you can always go to audiopreps.com. 
I list audiobooks there that I think are valuable to those that are in the preparedness community. And then other books that I have read that I thought were valuable that you can go and listen and not necessarily have to do with preparedness or self-reliance or anything like that. So uh, you can go check that out at audiopreps.com. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the article for this episode. It comes to us from Survival Sullivan, and it's titled, So How Much Silver Should a Prepper Have? And I think this is a very valuable uh, a very valuable article. I uh, remember linking to a lot of articles on silver back in the day, and uh, you don't see so much of it, but really silver is something that you should consider if you can. And so that's what I'm going to say, if you can. And we'll get, a, we'll get into that here in this episode. So uh, let's go ahead and read this one here. Again, coming to us from survivalsullivan.com. Uh, I'll read it, and then I have a few things to say after the article. So let's go ahead and start. As preppers, we stack our odds against the future. We store food for lean times. We invest in various security items. But how many of us secure our financial standing? Various financial wizards recommend having six months of expenses, rent, mortgage, food, and other bills, and accessible funds. Others recommend having 30 days of cash on hand and instantly accessible. How much silver should you store? Your money, as is your time, is precious and deserves to be spent wisely. When determining the answer that best fits your need, look at your available cash as well as your other prepping requirements for a balanced answer. Start with 5 to 10 ounces for your first purchase, then build monthly whatever your budget allows. As you increase your holdings, your goal should be one month of expenses, then expand this to three months. Ultimately, you want 10 to 25% of your assets in precious metals. When investing any significant amount of of your savings, always consult with a financial planner. So what kind of silver can you purchase for survival? Silver, being inexpensive when compared to gold, has the advantage of being available in several forms. From legal tender to private mints, there is a coin for you. So for legal tender, the most popular is the one-ounce coin or bar. We can subdivide these into government coinage and private mints. A government-minted coin, for example, the American Silver Eagle, is considered legal tender. The American Silver Eagle has a legal value of one U.S. dollar. However, the weight in silver is worth much more, currently between $20 and $30. Actually, it's probably a little bit more than that right now. Uh, American Silver Eagles are sold and purchased based on the current price of silver and not their $1 face value. Privately minted bullion coins and bars are again priced for the silver content as they are not considered legal tender. Additionally, Private entities also mint coins and bars in other weights, such as fractional coins in one-tenths, one-fourths, and one-half ounce weights, as well as five, ten, and one hundred ounces, as well as one kilogram bars. The advantage of these additional sizes is that you can find a size to meet any trade denomination that you need. Most of these coins and bars are simply a fancy way to package silver. While one may be more visually pleasing than another, there is little additional value to them over their silver content. Collecting a few rolls of junk silver gives you smaller denominations as each quarter is about 0.18 ounces of silver and a dime is 0.08 ounces. Purchasing pre-circulated coins is often cheaper than purchasing fractional silver bars or coins. So next up is numismatics. We all probably know a collector of one thing or another, be it stamps, coins, or baseball cards. Someone will find value in these collectibles. Silver is no different. 
Collectible coins or numismatics have value above and beyond their melt value in metal. One such example is proof coins. A proof American silver eagle is packaged separately and was pressed from a polished die, which results in a higher quality pressing. It's shinier, that's about it. For the premium treatment, sellers charge a premium price, often five times the price of a non-proof version. While you may want to own a collectible coin or two, be warned their value is subject to their collectability. If no one wants it, the value will drop to the melt value, so you may lose your investment. Yeah, I was thinking about, you remember all those Beanie Babies people were, <laughs> were buying those Beanie Babies? What the heck happened to that? All right, uh, moving on there. For a silver stacking perspective, keep the traditional bullion and purchase non-collectible bars and coins. So how is how expensive is silver spot price versus the purchase price? So the purchase price of precious metals consists of two components, the spot price, which is the current price of the base metal and the dealer's fee. This is where they make their money. This premium will depend on the product in the seller. So if the current price of silver is $25 per ounce, a one ounce privately minted coin or bar may cost you $30 at one dealer and $28 at another. Meanwhile, an American Silver Eagle or other federally minted coin may cost $35 or more. Additionally, the smaller the denomination, like for instance, the one-tenth ounce coin, may have a larger cost above spot versus a larger bar. Case in point, I recently purchased 10 one-tenth ounce bars. The total cost was $60, whereas I could have purchased an American Silver Eagle with the same total weight for half the price. When shopping, it pays to look around for the best deals. So is it better to have gold or silver? So gold and silver each have their place in your collection. Gold being roughly 80 times the value per ounce of silver is a much more dense form of value. When making a large purchase, would you rather trade a single gold one ounce coin or 80 American silver eagles? There's a lot more convenience in gold. The difficulty in purchasing gold is the price. Coming up with $30 to buy an American Silver Eagle is a lot easier than coming up with nearly $2,000 for an American Gold Eagle. When purchasing fractional gold coins, the additional premium may be worth it in order to purchase slowly. At the end of the day, a balanced approach is often best. Allocate a percentage of your precious metal investment into junk silver, silver coins and bars, and a final fractional fraction in gold coins. So how many ounces of silver should you own? Well, that's the million dollar question. There's always a place for a little silver in your savings. Start small and set aside a little money each month. Work your way up to a month of your rent or mortgage. Once you have achieved this, build up to a month of total expenses. Don't stop there and stack your American Silver Eagles, bars, junk silver, and gold to three months of expenses. I don't recommend going over 10% of your total assets with precious metals without consult consultation with a trusted financial planner. At that level, either you are seriously hedging your bet against the downfall of the economy or you no longer have faith in traditional investments, like stock markets. If you have the means to stack more, make sure to store it in a safe place. We're beyond the realm of mattress money here. So what is the best one ounce silver coin to buy? In these days and times, buy what you can. However, if you have the luxury of choice and can find them at reasonable price over spot, I highly recommend purchasing American Silver Eagles. They are high quality, easily recognizable, and rarely counterfeited. Although it happens, any good seller should be willing to educate you on the signs of fake coins. So is it better to buy silver bars or silver coins? 
The cost of stacking American Silver Eagles is twofold. First, American Silver Eagles have a higher premium over most privately minted bars and coins. So you're paying a little extra for the same amount of silver. That being said, it's recognizable silver. The second disadvantage is the size. Five pounds is only 80 ounces. The number of coins and therefore transportability quickly gets unmanageable. If you are planning on investing in hundreds of ounces, you may be better suited to purchasing silver bars in larger weights. So 5, 10, and 100 ounce bars are an easy way to purchase large quantities of silver with lower premiums over stacking smaller coins. So what are some ways to buy silver? So you've decided that silver is for you. Congratulations. So how do you make your first purchase? There are several trusted ways. First, look at the local yellow pages or electronic equivalent and look up coin collectors and silver and gold, gold dealers. Stop in and buy a few silver eagles just to get used to the experience. Let them know you are a first-time buyer. Most sellers are eager to educate you on the process. I once had my local dealer give me a full lecture on junk silver. It was a very educational hour. Next are online resources like JM Bullion, APMX, APMEX, and SD Bullion. They are the biggest in the industry and guarantee shipping and do enough volume that their price over spot is very reasonable. So what will happen to silver if the dollar collapses? Well, this is the second million dollar question. There are several market factors that drive the price of silver. Active mining operations, current industrial use, and market. That is, you and me are our desire. If history is to repeat itself, another Great Depression or recession will see a drop in the price of silver as demand goes to other items like food and rent. Then immediately following this drop, there may be a sudden rise as the value of silver being a universal value is recognized. If the dollar were to collapse completely, then most likely people will be eager to purchase tangible goods, including storable food, tools, ammunition. This may or may not eventually shift to precious metals. Therefore, balance your holdings in both silver, gold, and other valuable goods. Silver has had value since biblical times. It may be the ugly sibling to gold, however, that does not diminish its eternal value. Either as an industrial metal or as a post-collapse trade good, silver will always maintain some value. The question is, where are you in your total level of preparedness? And guys, I would say that's the third million dollar question, right? That's really important to, to uh, move forward in this purchase of silver or even gold. If you're just getting started, then I highly recommend managing food, water, and shelter needs prior to going fully into silver stacking. If you are comfortable in most of the other areas of preparedness, then it may be time to dedicate a little of your expendable cash towards the purchase of a few ounces of silver. After all, in the worst case, it will provide value for your children and your grandchildren. All right, guys, so that is it over at survivalsullivan.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check that out. So I just have a couple of different um things to say about this one here. I agree with a lot of the things that they that the author says in this one, except the purchase of fractional silver. And for the reason that he mentions here. So he mentioned that fractional silver, I mean, you have it in smaller uh, denominations, right? So if you have a, uh, you have a, a, you know, silver is going for $30 and you have uh, 10 one-tenth, you know, uh, ounce, 
silver bars in fractional, you know, fractional bars. I mean, basically you have $3, right? A bar. And so if you were bartering, that would be easier. You know, someone said, Hey, yeah, I'm selling, you know, or I'm selling this, uh, and I want, you know, $9 for it. You could give them three of those little fractional bars as opposed to, uh, giving them a whole American silver Eagle, you know, for one ounce. But like he mentioned in the article, there's a premium for that. So you're going to pay for that. You're going to pay for the packaging. You're going to pay for all of that. I would rather buy junk silver, right? And so that's, you know, all the, the pre-1964 silver that you can find out there. And I, I would purchase that. And you can purchase it on eBay um, really easily. I mean, just you're going to look for the people that are, um, that you can trust the people that have high reviews on eBay. I mean, you don't want to buy junk silver from someone who doesn't have any reviews, right? I mean, you're looking for those that have thousands of reviews. But the other thing is you can go to a local store. So there, there's a, a store here in Houston that we went to one one day, just like one Saturday, uh, really early on in preparedness. Dad and I kind of went down there just to see what they had. And um, it was a small store in an older part of town um, that, and it had a security guard out there, actually a police officer out in front and the whole deal. But you walk up to the counter and you're like, hey, I'm interested in junk silver. They had it in bins. Uh, where you, I mean, you could see it from across the, the counter, but they had it in bins and they're like, okay, how much do you want? Do you want to pick it out yourself or do you just want, you know? And so like they bring out this bin and you, like, you can just, uh, you can look at all of them. And you, if you want to pick the most shiniest ones, or you want to verify that they're all, you know, it's 1964 or older or whatever, you can do that. Or you can just say, no, I just want to, you know, so many ounces or I want so many rolls. And they go ahead and take that, take care of that for you. And they have it like in, you know, in, in different denominations. So they have those there for you to be able to do that. I would, I would choose to do that. Now, if it was a true collapse situation, people would really need to understand silver and understand how much you had there. So back to the article, he talked about uh, a quarter is worth, you know, 0.18 ounces of, of silver and a dime was 0.08 ounces. So you would have to do calculations there, or at least you'll know, barter and, and, and get that you know, trading or bartering or whatever you're doing with the person that you're, you're trading with. Uh, a lot of the times they'll say, Hey, I want so much of this. So anyway, um, that would be one of those things that you would, you would do and, and, and have, and that's one thing that I would recommend. I wouldn't go for the fractional silver just because of the extra, uh, premium on that. So one of the things that I remember when I'm talking about this and, and talking about, uh, gold and, and silver and all that kind of stuff. So when you when you're looking at precious metals, don't look. You're not looking at, at it as an investment. You're not looking at it as okay. I'm going to buy silver now and then I'm going to you know get rich when the apocalypse happens. That's not really the way to look at it. You really need to look at it more as a store of wealth. And let me give you uh, an example of that. So back in the day, Chris Martinson, who runs Peak Prosperity. It was really early on in the um, preparedness, you know, website and prepper website and, and doing all of that. And I remember watching a video that he he talked about this. And one of the ways, or maybe it was an article. It's it's been so long, but it's, it's still the the idea is burned in my memory. Is the the way that the families 
survived, like the families that had wealth and had, you think about like in Europe with all the different revolutions that were going on, you know, the French Revolution and all the different wars and all that stuff that was going on back and forth, that when a family was like being run out of their of their homes, if they were being run out uh, before they were completely, you know, <laughs> killed and, you know, beheaded and all that kind of stuff, they would escape. And the way that they would hold on to their wealth is threefold. First, they had the deed to their land. So when the revolution ended, when things settled down, they were able to come back and say, hey, this is my land. I don't care who's in it. I don't care who's who's living in there. This is my land. This is my house. So you need to get out. And so they had legal means to uh, to take back their, their property, right? So they, they left with the deeds in their land. The other things the other thing that they would do is they would have precious, uh, very expensive paintings. So when we think about a painting, we think about a big painting that uh, would be uh, in, uh, you know, in a frame and the whole deal, what they would do is they would take this painting out of the frame and they would roll it up and put it in like in a waterproof container or something along those lines so that they would take that with them. So they invested in those, you know, those very expensive paintings that were very valuable that people would pay money for and they would put their money into stuff like that. So if they were leaving in a hurry, they're grabbing their deed, they're grabbing their paintings, they're rolling those up really quickly, putting putting them in something that they could take, right? So it's if you think about, you know, very the valuables, they're they're putting money in valuables. And then the third thing is they had gold. So not silver, but they had gold. And gold could uh, you could you could store a lot more wealth in gold in a small amount of gold instead of silver. Like he said here, what would you rather trade out? Would you tra- rather trade out one American silver eagle or one American gold eagle or eighty silver eagles? Right. And so that was the other thing that they did. So they were able to tri- uh, to travel very quickly and get out very quickly. You know, so they had their deed to their land. They had very expensive paintings or valuables, and then they had gold. So they're able to go and hold up somewhere in another country until things settle down. And then they were able to come back and take over their life the way that they, you know, their land and everything that they had, which, you know, the land was valuable and all that good stuff. So uh, I, re- I remember that one. It always kind of sticks with me. It's a store of wealth and it's easy to, to, to move around. So one of the things that always comes up too is when we're talking about silver is like, oh, it can be confiscated by, by the government. So um, I kind of looked that up a little bit and there's just, there's this executive order right from uh, President Franklin Roosevelt and it's executive order 6814 requiring the delivery of all silver to the United States for coinage. So there was other things as well throughout the years, but I just wanted to kind of uh, read this one here uh, really quickly. And this is from presidency.ucsb.edu. And uh, I'm just going to read just a couple of chapters, a couple of paragraphs here, a couple of chapters. All right, here we go. By virtue of the authority vested in me by the Silver Purchase Act of 1934 and all other authority vested in me, I, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, President of the United States of America, do hereby require the delivery of all silver situated in the continental United States on the effective date hereof by any and all persons owning, possessing, or controlling any such silver, and do hereby require any and all persons owning, 
possessing or controlling any such silver to deliver the same in the manner upon the conditions and sub subject to the exceptions herein contained, such action being in my judgment necessary to effect effectuate the policy of the Silver Purchase Act of 1934. So here's here's another section that um, that's required and not required. So silver required to be de delivered. There shall be delivered in accordance with the terms of this order all silver situated in the continental United States on the effective date hereof, except silver falling within any of the following categories so long as it continues to fall uh, thereunder. So number one, silver coins, whether foreign or domestic. So if during this situation here, when they were confiscating uh, silver, if you had uh, you know, silver coins from another country, it's like, okay, we're not going to take that. B, silver of fineness of 0.8 or less, which has not entered into industrial, commercial, or professional, artistic, or monetary use. Silver mined after December 21st, 1933. Silver held for industrial, professional, or artistic use and unmelted scrap silver and silver sweepings in an amount not exceeding in the aggregate 500 fine troy ounces belonging to any one person. Silver owned on the effective date hereof by a recognized foreign government, foreign central bank, or the bank for international settlements. Silver contained in articles fabricated and held in good faith for a specific and customary use and not for their value as silver bullion. So if you had a silver platter or you had silver uh, tableware, that kind of stuff, right? Silver held under a license issued in accordance with section six hereof. And then so anyway, so you have other, other things here, but... I thought that was kind of interesting. So there was a way, basically, if you had silver that was in that jewelry realm, then it wasn't going to be confiscated. So right now, one of the things, I don't know if it ever would be truly confiscated, right? Uh, we have our, um, you know, so something you always hear about in the preparedness community, something you always hear about, like in, in a comment section or in a forum, you know, hey, silver can always be, you know, silver can always be confiscated or, or bullion can always be confiscated. The thing is like nowadays, that was back in 1934, and then you've had a bunch of other things since then. Um Nowadays, silver is used in so many different things that I don't believe that they would ever call back silver or try to confiscate it, right? So, um, I mean, that's just my thought, my idea. I wanted to just kind of list a couple of things here. So you have jewelry that is made by silver, and that's that's you know that's one of those things that you that you have or your wife might have or your spouse might have. It's used in photography if you're using old film and it's not you know digital stuff. It's used in a lot of electronics, and I think that is probably one of the big driving forces there, especially in uh, solar you know uh, solar equipment. And so that's going to be one of the you know with a big push on solar and going green and the whole deal is like why are you going to call back silver because that's going to call back uh, the ability to to continue to make all that. It's used in medical devices, so uh, for surgical instruments, wound dressings, catheters for uh, you know that have antimicrobial uh, properties. It's used for coins, not just in the United States, but all over the the world. Tableware, like I already uh, said, in mirrors, right? Silver is used to create mirrors due to its high reflexivity. And then clothing. So silver is sometimes woven into clothing to create antimicrobial properties. 
So that's just a few examples that I found pretty quickly on the internet. And there's probably a whole lot more, but the whole industrial use of it, I think that would wind up uh, bringing it, bringing it out of, we're going to confiscate it, right? I just, that's just me. And that's just my opinion there. You can uh, take that for what it's worth. One of the things that I also remember about uh, talking about uh, gold and, and silver is when uh, things broke down in Argentina. So I remember watching a documentary. I actually wrote an article about it and, and linked that documentary uh, years ago on Prepper website. But the very first time um, Argentina collapsed and what you wound up having, having is you had these big barter communities um, that, that would, that would happen. And people would, I mean, eventually they created their own money, their own like little coupons to be able to trade things out. It had, it had its own monetary value. But one of the other things that you, you would hear about is people would, uh, you know, you had a gold chain or whatever, and you needed food and you would barter for someone and you would say, Hey, like how much of this gold chain? And they would take like, you know, a half, a half an inch. And right then and there, they would take a screwdriver and a hammer or whatever it was to be able to cut off a certain amount of gold. And so, you know, you always have that where if, if, you, if you invest in gold and silver jewelry and you keep that, well, then, you know, that could be something that is traded or bartered later on down the road. And you wouldn't have to worry about uh you know, silver coins and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, that's something to kind of consider there. I, I do like the American silver Eagles because they're more recognizable than anything else. Junk silver, I, again, junk silver, people are going to have to um, understand, you know, older people will understand people living, you know, that lived during that time will completely understand. Yeah. You're trying to deal with someone who's in their twenties with junk silver. They're like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want some dimes. I don't want some quarters. They're going to have to very quickly understand what junk silver is and the value that is in there. Um, and so then you also have, uh, you also have your, um, your, your flats, you know, your, your bars and, you know, one ounce. Um, if you really want, if you've never done any, any silver at all, you can even go to Amazon and you can go to Amazon and, and bring up American silver Eagle and you can purchase one. I mean, they're going to be a little bit more expensive on, on there if you buy just one, but you can buy one just to kind of have one and kind of, you know, maybe even keep it in your pocket and, and stuff like that, you know, just like look at it, whatever, you know, if you've never purchased any silver at all, I mean, you're probably looking at, uh, you know, actually I'm going to go ahead and go to Amazon right now and look that up because the last time I looked at it, it's been a, a, a long time. So let me, um, let me go ahead and see what it's going for on Amazon. So American silver Eagles. All right. Well, you know what? I don't even, I don't even see one on here. Come on. American silver Eagle is a Canadian man. You used to be able to, uh, here's a 1998. So here's that pneumostatic that we were talking about. A one ounce American silver Eagle was $79, $80. Okay. You don't, you don't, you definitely don't want to do that. Um, this is crazy. Okay, here he goes. A 2023 American Silver Eagle uh, in, in, is it for a graduate. It's in a graduation holder. It's $50. So that's crazy. So let me see here. Here's an American Silver Eagle. Yeah, it's in a holder for $53, right? So you want, so you can see the difference there. 
If you go to kitco.com and slash market, you can see what the spot price is. So the spot price right now is $21.81. So you can see the premium that you're getting or that you're paying for an American Silver Eagle is, I mean, more than double right now. So that might be something that might be out of your, out of your, you know, range, or you might not want to pay that kind of a premium. You're like, no, forget that. Maybe you go to a silver dealer and you buy something for over, but again, there's still going to be a premium. Um, you could always go to like JM Bullion and, uh, you know, they ship for free when you, when you purchase a certain amount of silver and you could kind of go from there. But anyway, I would recommend, you know, if you've never done it, just do one. And even if it's not an American Silver Eagle, you can always get, there's some really cool silver coins out there with different things. If you're like, uh, there's some with like Noah's Ark, there's some with, you know, all different kinds of things, you know, skulls and whatever. You can find one with anything out there. But uh, the ones that are not like, a, you know, your regular coins are going to be a lot cheaper. The other thing to, to think about here is the price, the spot price, uh, you know, the, the asking price is not, you, you're, you're going to pay a little bit more depending on what it is. And just, you're not going to pay, like you're not going to walk into a store and get an ounce of silver for $21.81, whatever it's going for right now. And so just, you know, just know that um, the price of asking there's a lot of people that think that there's something, you know, kooky going on in the market, right? Where the the price that you're actually asking the the the, the purchase price, the spot price, there's just such a big difference from when you're really purchasing it. And so I think a lot of people realize that. And this can fluctuate. I mean, the other day, I think it was up to $30. $30. And so there is history where you can go to kitco.com market. There is a history place where you can kind of track the history of silver or gold or whatever you're, you're looking at. And so I think that's kind of interesting. But remember, the thing that I, I really liked about this article is like you got to have all your other stuff right. You got you to make sure you have your food. You got to make sure you have your water. You have your first aid. You have your self-defense. You've got your shelter you know, taken care of, all those other things. This is if you are looking, you, know, you, have, you have all those things in place and you want to purchase a little bit of silver or a little bit of gold, you can, you can definitely do that. So anyway, there, there you have it, you know, and I think it's uh, one of those things that you should consider. Uh, one of the last things that he said here is like, even if you don't wind up using it as something for your, your kids or your grandkids to, to, to have. And I think that's, that's, you know, that's very reasonable as well. You can pass that along. All right, guys. Hey, before I end this episode, I want to ask you, will you kindly share the Ready Your Future podcast out there with your friends who are like-minded, who are preparedness-minded, they're into self-reliance, or maybe there are some online places that you're, you're on social media or you're in some forums. I greatly would appreciate sharing out Ready Your Future and some of the uh, the, the articles there, you can always share our link, readyyourfuture.com, and uh, you know let other people know that we are here. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 776. If you found this episode valuable, I would appreciate a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And if you would like to support Ready Your Future, you can always visit readyyourfuture.com forward slash support or check the link in the show notes. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you my blackout checklist to know what you should do before, during, and after the lights go out. 
And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.